So need we so need to turn on the video cameras. Ooh. You guys, she's got to bring like her saxophone next time. <gasps> yes. Oh my can god. Can you imagine? Yes, How I can. Cool that would sound. Okay. Do it. Well, look at her. I don't know what those notes are, but I'll learn them. There's oh, only twelve. There's only twelve. When you add they a sharp don't or a even... flat to each note, it kind of well, they, they probably... go a half step up and a half step down. So I mean, really. But they probably I'll, don't even I'll use twelve. I'll figure out what the what the tones are for. We'll get you okay? some sheet music. Yeah, I can read anything <laughs> on sheet music and play it. So. Uh, Let's do it. But do you want the trumpet or the saxophone? I think the sax. All right. Smooth mellow jazz it is. That's right, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So um, this is going to be part two because, man, we started talking about creativity and there's a lot of creativity flowing through that conversation. Um, So we actually we're talking about life skills and what the World Health Organization just released is what they think the top five life skills are for people. And uh, we got through decision making, which Kelsey is working on and uh, creativity, which ended up being a really important subject for Tony. So we're not done with it, folks. So this is part two. And uh, where we were going was inspiration is obviously such a big part of creativity. We wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about that because we were circling around this whole pirating idea and how do you know that something's original versus a knockoff and and where do you go with that? I think the inspiration topic is like good because it comes down to like from what you said like uh, shoot I, I literally I had it and I just lost it I had it and brain it, fart yeah my brain just straight I up I feel farted. like a lot of inspiration comes from things you've seen things you like things you enjoy and other people mm-hmm. kind of that people you, you admire yeah mm-hmm. It's, oh, uh, there we, I got it. There you go. It comes on the. T- I think it comes onto the topic of like what is yours versus what isn't yours too. You know, because like I think you got to feel inspired to make something for yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like but, if you look at somebody's stuff and make the same exact thing, obviously you know then it's not yours, right? Yeah, but I mean, do you look at somebody's stuff and go, I mean, not always like you go, I want to make something like that. You know what I mean? It's like where where does that? I guess. Ah, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of hard, you know. You got to own your own stuff like it's versus like a protocol sheet. You know, like you don't find inspiration in your protocol sheet, but it's creative, right? <laughs> so it's like where where does inspiration play into creativity? I'm inspired you know? by the idea that we can be a lot more structured and have more like <laughs> processes. Cohesiveness and consistency. Yeah, but which is creativity. That is inspirational to me. I guess to work I sound on something. so boring. No, you don't. No. You, you sound. We have talked so many times about how each one of you represent a really strong, different personality for this group, mm-hmm. and yours is very much the organizational process. You're very structured. You're like a fixed point, which is super awesome and very valuable. But like rigidness is like that doesn't you're mean you're rigid. rigid. You're fun. You let loose and listen to music and jam out. And <laughs> that's true. You yeah no Alana you are yeah okay. that doesn't mean you're boring. You are not right. uptight. By it might any not means. be sexy, which is where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Being well organized doesn't sound very sexy, yeah, but it but is so valuable. We're not strippers here. I was so I was going to answer <laughs> I was going to answer Tony's question this way, which this applies to you, I think, Alana. I find my inspiration and most of my creativity gets fed when I identify something that doesn't exist. So, yeah, and a lot of uh, entrepreneurs will say that's when lightning strikes, right? Like the lady who invented Spanx talks about that. She used to cut off her pantyhose 
she would buy the the um, what do they call it control top pantyhose, mm-hmm. and she would cut off the legs because she was making her own spanks. Mm-hmm. And then all of her friends were like, oh, my God, that's brilliant, because they didn't exist. So she went and made them. So when you see a process that's missing or a protocol that's missing that you think would add value or improve productivity or the smoothness of the operation, identifying it is a great opportunity. I think it'll be really fun for you, Tony, when you start your job and you get those first GoPros, you can go and watch zillions of them online and then see what are people not filming? What perspectives haven't been shown? Hmm. I like that. Interesting. So I, I, I like that. I like I, I, it's it's connecting now. I know what you're saying. You, you find the inspiration in somewhere where there just isn't something. Correct. Okay. I, I like that because to me, I always look at something and I go, I can do that. It's not like... It's like, okay, I could replicate that, but mm-hmm. it's not like I can do that better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always think it's like, okay, I could basically make a knockoff of this, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I mean, I couldn't make what, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So that's kind of where, where my thought process jumps to. And so to, to look at that, though, I see what, I, maybe I do feel some sort of inspiration then. Maybe I there is some sort of feeling like later down, like I get that I have felt mm-hmm. that I just haven't really identified it properly. Mm-hmm. And I get caught up in that's like, I don't. That's why I don't think I'm a creative person, and because I see like people like Ian and Andy who get this inspiration. Ian's a guy who will stay up till three in the morning because he feels inspired randomly yeah. to make something. Like and writing scripts. He's like, stuff. yeah, I was up till three a.m. writing scripts. It's like yeah. I, I haven't even written a script <laughs> in my life. Like <laughs> I've written a script for work. <laughs> so that's sort. Of, and it was like, wow. Because that's I, not your medium. Words aren't your medium. Pictures are maybe your medium. The outdoors is your medium, you know? Yeah. If everybody was the same, nobody would be unique. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. That was so like Yoda, Confucius. <laughs> <laughs> what about how many fortune cookies? How many times throughout your life have you been somewhere, seen something, or wanted to do something, and you're like, wow, if I had this tiny little piece of plastic, it would make this whole thing so much easier. Yeah. To like... Assemble something or yeah. put something together. I don't know. I have the guy who made the little piece of plastic that goes on the bottom of your toothpaste tube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought of one once. This is a couple years ago because phones are so much more water resistant now. But remember back in the day, like if it, like when you spilled your coffee, I mean it was like instant panic on whether or not your phone was going to be fried, and everybody would drop them in the bag of rice. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't always have rice. Yeah. So I I had this Ooh, idea. Oh, that's deep. Oh, I see where you're going. I had with this that. idea. I called it recovery rice, and I would sell it in little Ziploc bags and put the little universal symbol, like the Red Cross, on it. You know, <laughs> like the Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and sell them at Best Buy. You know, right next to you know, with all of the cell phone accessories. So while you're there buying you a charger, that? no, I wanted to oh, because genius. it was yeah. a it was a gap of. We all need a bag of rice, and when it happens, mm-hmm. nobody has a yeah. bag of rice. So in the cell phone accessory aisle, sell little bags of rice so that you'll just grab one while you're buying your charger, and then when it happens, you've got your recovery rice, was what I called it. But no, I mean, I've had Look zillions of those. Look his mind just got blown. I, I, yeah, that's... Imagine the ROI on something like that. <laughs> I know, because it's cheap as fuck. <laughs> yeah, but but the time has come and gone. But, um, but yeah, so... As you're seeing Has the time come and gone, Jenny? Can, I, don't, I, don't I mean, know. I feel like the, the market My is still out there. My phone's not waterproof. 
We want to make Kelsey tries a thing. Let's make this recovery rice a thing. I feel like I used to see people putting their phones in bags of rice a lot more frequently than I do now. I feel like it's been a couple years since I've seen somebody do that. I don't know. Maybe it's because otter boxes are out. I don't know. But I I do kind of feel like the mass market for it has. I always buy the insurance. Now watch a listener is going to go and launch recovery rice. You're welcome. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so yeah. so Patent pending. (laughs) (laughs) Let's categorize inspiration with uh, a need that you've identified that's not filled. That that can check a box. But I also think somebody told me once there are no new ideas. And you were starting to say this in the last show. So sometimes the inspiration can be it exists, but it sucks. And I have a way to make it better. So, for example, MP3 players were already a thing when Apple made the iPod, but they made it better, easier to use, you know, launched Apple or iTunes to support it. And so they improved on an idea. So I think that can be a source of inspiration. And I don't think that's copying at all. It's, I mean, they even have a phrase for it, right? Build a better mousetrap. So. I think that can be a source of inspiration. I wish hmm. I could remember all the things that I wanted to make in the moment where I thought of them. Yeah. I feel like I could be a millionaire by now, right now. Mm-hmm. Start just listening to a journal. I should, or just like write it in my phone. Oh, this would work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to actually make anything. Well, and that's why like shows like Shark Tank are like, I was awesome to watch. Because mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see people's ideas and to really like see where they're going with it. Sometimes you think it's going to be something that like isn't going to work and it, it's totally but it ends up being something that you're like oh maybe I could use that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah some of those ideas are so original and then other ideas you're like why would anybody need that but then and then you see it on you see it at Bed Bath and Beyond as an as exactly. seen on TV <laughs> yeah exactly I can tell you another one because I spend a lot of time thinking about shit that should be there that's not so women who wear button down blouses and even men who have a little bit of a belly and they wear their button down shirts and you always see the material pucker pucker pulled oh yeah it looks awful and this is way too expensive. I don't have the solution. I just see that as a problem. They, mm-hmm. There should be like little invisible buttons in between the buttons where yeah. you can connect, you know. Make it wider, kind of. No, like, so, you know, these are the, your two pieces of material. And so you have a hidden snap. Oh. So you have the button that shows, and then you have a hidden snap that closes that gap. And then you have a button that shows, and then you have it. So that your shirt doesn't. Bulge, yeah. It doesn't look like it's bulging. Every time I see that on somebody's shirt or a woman's blouse, crazy. it drives me. And it yeah. really happens to women a lot around the chest area. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but and like getting a bigger so shirt cute. is not usually the the yeah. right solution. Right. I'm glad I wasn't a smart ass and just said that. I was like, why don't you just get a bigger shirt? Then? Well, because you want sometimes like <laughs> the, yeah, like the athletic fit one. is a big deal yeah. with boys or with slim guys fit. now. Yeah, slim fit dress shirts for men and women want you know. You know, I mean, some blouses you want to be. Fl- I don't know. I, I can't anyway. see, and that's. I think that's what's wrong with my thought process. Just is I'm about very much identifying a, a gap. A, a, yeah, something that you want. Back on topic. Yeah. So inspiration can come from seeing a problem to solve. I think it's the. And I think that's where the mindset I was stuck into is like taking the Kelsey approach, which is, well, why don't you just buy a bigger shirt? You know, it's like the, it's like the always like, oh, well, you, there's always like a simple, there's always a simple answer to something, but there's always a solution to the, mm-hmm. you know, there's a patch, but mm-hmm. there's never like a solution. So mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I could see that you can find inspiration in, in those patches. Things that drive you crazy. Yeah. Pay, pay close attention to stuff that drives you crazy. You might find some great inspiration. Huh. You know what I wish existed? A nice honk sound on your car horn. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> like a little thank you. Says, excuse me, could you please move over? Yeah, like, excuse me. Because, <laughs> like, for the most part, honks sound generally Obnoxious. really aggressive and, yeah. like, rude and mean. <laughs> they do. Can, but, like, sometimes you just want to get somebody's attention or, like, do nobody does the wave thing. I always do when somebody lets me in. I do the wave, like, thank you in my rear view or whatever. <laughs> but I know that's so random. But I'm practicing my creativity right now. Yes, <laughs> can, we, can we make this a thing and have Alana do the voiceover for the oh. horn? Be, next thing you know, people just be in traffic going, excuse me. <laughs> it would be cute if it was a voice instead of a horn. Yeah. So I, I, have a, I actually have an opinion on this random subject. So um, when my kids were very young, we went and spent a week in St. Thomas during their spring break. And there... And it, there's literally a sign on your rental car that says use of the horn is encouraged. We use it to communicate and say hello. So, you know, that was a note to Americans who only think of it as a as a rude thing. Mm-hmm. So please make sure you use your horn frequently. And sure enough, every time a car passed you, they would honk. And just people are honking at each other constantly. And it only took like a day for me to realize it was so cute. It was almost like the cars were talking to each other. <laughs> hi, hi, hi. And, and what, what it made me realize is, so the use of your horn is cultural. And so in America, because the use of the horn is an aggressive move regardless, <laughs> yeah. no matter how sweet we make it sound, yeah. I think it'll still come across as aggressive. Oh. Always. Oh, yeah, Only because be all those nasty-ass loud horns in St. Thomas within a day all sounded so cute <laughs> because of you know how it's intended to use. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Anywho, so um, let's get to the rest of this. Oh, there's a list? Yeah, we, we have a list of life list? skills. We yeah. have a list of life skills, and oh, we spent yeah. a lot of time around creativity. So can you recap what the first two were? Decision <laughs> making. Decision making. Yeah. I'm looking at Kelsey as I say that one. Uh, with a whole list of, um, you know, identify the problem, create the criteria, consider your alternatives, pick the best option, develop a plan of action, and then measure and adjust as you go. Those are your rules for better decision making. Creativity and critical thinking are all things we need to develop. Uh, and go check out the Creativity Bootcamp on LinkedIn. I sent you the link, Tony. The next um, one, which we actually talked about this not long ago, communication and interpersonal skills. So you guys are well aware of that. And I love that they actually used the word interpersonal because we were like, does anybody even know what that word means? And that's <laughs> actually the exact word. Um, so things like listening and you know how well you encourage uh, interaction with others and how nice you are to work with, et cetera, et cetera. The next one that I thought was really interesting, and the way they lump them together is wild, self-awareness slash empathy. And I think self-awareness is hard, as evidenced by our Am I Overconfident show, mm. uh, that we're not, it's just, I think self-awareness is just a hard thing to to know you have to you have to have people around you who are really candid with you but how you come across and you have to be you have to trust them enough to hear it i feel like i'm sometimes i'm like a little too self-aware though like like not in a good way though like like and maybe that that self-awareness makes me hypercritical of myself i think you're self-conscious which is not the same thing okay so self-conscious is, you know, you walk into a room full of strangers, am I overdressed? Am I underdressed? Do I have food in my teeth? Am I coming across okay? Mm-hmm. Like if you're self-conscious, that's you being worried and anxious versus self-awareness is, I'm going to make fun of Kelsey here for a minute. Um, I'm a constant interrupter, not because I want to interrupt, but because if I don't get that thought out, as soon as I say it, I'm going to forget it. So she may not be aware of the fact that people consider her a constant interrupter. She just thinks of herself as somebody who's 
uh, it's easy for her to forget her thought. So self-awareness is really more about what are my individual traits, work style, habits, etc., and am I aware of it and so do I. Am I conscientious about trying to manage those quirks in a way that makes me productive? So over apologizing could that's because like, a... <laughs> I'm I'm like I said that's where like I feel like I'm painfully self-aware. I'm the kind of person that will apologize for asking too many questions mm-hmm. or apologize because I I did something that is normal. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all wrapped in to the self-conscious thing. To the still? self-conscious thing okay. only because. And I have no idea. I'm not a psychologist, but it, that feels like it's wrapped in anxiety to mm-hmm. me a little bit. And self-awareness has nothing to do with okay. anxiety. Gotcha. Like, you know, there are people who we all know who are like just, you know, absolute asshole blowhards. And they have no idea that they come off that way. You know, that's an example of somebody who just has very limited self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's a challenge um, to develop, especially at work. Because as you become more talented, as you become more authoritative, as you become more experienced, people trust you more. They put a lot more faith in you and stake in you. And so it's really easy to think that you are more and more capable. And so the more you start to have confidence in yourself, I think it's easier to then sometimes lose the self-awareness of the things that we could all be doing that would make us... Um, better to be around. That's why it's so common, I think, for really senior level people to oftentimes just become assholes because you're surrounded by people who tell you how good you are and so your self-awareness can really decline. I think uh, I think that's really interesting because I feel like the self-awareness too can go with like decision making. Mm-hmm. Because like, I feel like you could be overly self-aware that you're making like a bad decision or you can be self-aware that you're making a bad decision. And, you and just... it paralyzes you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you just stop. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> so why do you think they lumped that in with empathy? I don't know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess maybe because if you have the capacity to feel compassion for others, then that maybe improves your capacity to understand how you come across. I don't know if that's like... Oh. Kind of takes you out of the situation. Yeah. Makes you think that, like, okay. if how would I feel if somebody did this? Yeah. You know, or, like, if I was in okay. that situation. I'll yeah. buy it. Yeah. One of the best work tools to improve self-awareness, and not every um, organization does it, but have you guys ever heard of, like, a 360-degree appraisal or a 360-degree review? Mm. No. It'll be where people above you and below you rate your performance. And a lot of times the people below you will rate you anonymously. So it becomes a really great tool for you to understand how you're being perceived. Mm -hmm. Mm. So, yeah, it's one of the things I recommend to new managers. You can implement a 360-degree appraisal without having the company actually do it. You know, you can... Send out an anonymous survey to your staff. You'd want to make sure you have plenty of people so that anonymous is really anonymous. Um, Or find somebody who's comfortable enough to give you the candid feedback who you trust, like I said earlier, to find out really, you know, how are you doing? Did I come across too strong? Was that okay? So it's, it's a really important skill. Like I said, at work, especially as you start to move up. Those wouldn't be uh, like those wouldn't be used as like audits, are they? It would be. Sometimes they are. Mm -hmm. Okay. I worked for a company that. 
they asked all they would do a a lot of companies do like an annual cultural survey or an annual pulse survey to see how the overall morale of the organization is mm. and oftentimes there are questions on surveys like that about your manager am i comfortable disagreeing with my manager am i comfortable going to my manager with a problem do i feel like i'm safe from retaliation if i like they ask a bunch of questions around that mm. so bigger organizations will will have feedback like that and it's really really helpful okay and so generally you'll know if they're going to send out though for the most part oh yeah okay yeah. as they say because it's like they wouldn't just send this out just surprise just to see how you're doing well i mean it depends there are sometimes when companies are like really undergoing seismic change and they want to get a pulse on the culture before they implement whatever the big changes are that they're talking about they might do it with not a lot of notice gotcha yeah, I mean, it's just... Not that I have anything to worry about, right. but just, you, <laughs> just keeping always, that in mind, yeah, you know? you always want to be a nice coworker, whether they're going to be measuring you or not, right? Because it's the right thing to do. I just can't imagine that, like, getting sprung on you, that would really suck. <laughs> getting, it would only suck if you're an asshole, though. That's true. Get Having a bunch of people just rip you apart from below, though? I mean, from, like, I guess you should you. be nice. They always yeah. say the CEO should treat everybody... That's true. The same respect as like the That's janitor. That's exactly like right. That. That's exactly right. That's true. People shouldn't be revealing. Just you be shouldn't, nice. Yeah, it shouldn't be negative. So it, we're sixty percent <laughs> of the way through the list. All right. right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I want to say one more thing because that's really interesting. What Tony was just talking about. I'm just on the edge of my seat. I need to know what the next oh, two are. Well, then Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I really drag it out. Okay. <laughs> we skimmed over three, and this is four, so we only have five, right? There's only five. There's only one more. Um, I think a lot of young managers make an assumption that says, if I'm going to be in charge, that means I'm going to be bossy, and so eventually people are not going to like me, right? So yeah. I think the best advice I always give any young manager, the mindset you need to be having from the moment you become uh, the boss or in authority, how can I help you? How can I make how can I make your job easier? How can I help you improve your performance? How can I make work more enjoyable? How can I help you? If that's the first lens that you're looking through as you're managing people, you're never gonna be an asshole. All right. They can ask them their anonymous opinions all day long. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean there aren't gonna be some people who are gonna want to throw a dart at you just because they resent the fact that you're in charge. That mm -hmm. can happen too. But as long as you're always approaching your position of authority from a standpoint of helpfulness, you're going to be a great boss. Fair enough. Okay. Wait, so that was number four? What was number four? Self-awareness and empathy. I thought that was number three. That was communication no, that was and interpersonal skills. Mm -hmm. Oh, we did gloss over that. Yeah. Okay. Because I just... We have an episode of that. Hey, is, is there a listening on that list? You guys are great with that. <laughs> And actually, the it's not. I'm sorry. It's not that I wasn't listening. I think I just <laughs> didn't realize. Uh, I'm, just being, I'm just being mean. I'm sorry. I'm not as absorbent this episode. Sorry, guys. Aww, she was pants. waiting for the end. I know. No, I'm just cute. like I'm just like really interested in this list. Sorry. Actually, so the, the last one we we referenced at the very beginning of our last show because of um, your skills versus Kelsey's skills on this, and that was coping with emotions and stress. Oh. So, oh, so we already—I already knew what the last one was. You already did know I what the last one was, I and I was withholding it just to be nasty. Isn't that terrible of me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I am. I do listen. I promise. I, I know just, you do. I'm uh, working on all of the above. Uh, I know, and and you know what? They call them life skills because you'll be working on all of the above for the rest of your life. It's a true statement. The issues just become different. Like, I can relate this to being a, a mother right away, which is the issues that created stress and emotional 
challenges for me when the kids were toddlers. It doesn't go away when the kids are in their 20s. It's just that the issues change. Yeah. So that stuff stays with you forever. But you have really good coping skills, Alana. You have very strong um, emotional and stress, I think, um, I want to say containers, but that's the wrong word. <laughs> you know, I just manage it. Yeah, yeah. you do. Do you have any? Do you have any secrets you want to share with the group on how you do it so well? <laughs> um, just trying to, I guess, make sure that I keep my my buckets separate, um, so to speak. Um, I try and like only really. I don't. I try to not complain, and like I only express like outside stuff that's going on in a more casual setting. So like if we're like eating lunch or you know what I mean? Or just like if we're kind of working on something that's kind of mundane, maybe. But um, just just knowing that when I'm here to work, that's the priority. I need to get done what I need to get done. But um, like, what do you but, but that makes it sound like you never stress. So no, it's not that. No, God, no, that's not true at all. I definitely stress. Um, so what I don't do you know. do? I don't know. I guess I just live and let live. Long time of of just making the conscious decision to be like, I know what I need to do, and I know what's important right now. Prioritizing is really um, important for me, um, and knowing the things that I can control and things that I can't control. And so if I'm a, if I find myself um, at a fork in the road of, you know, is this something I need to be worrying about right now? Can it be saved for later? Is it even my area to worry about? You know, those are, I guess that's kind of what goes on in my head. So you can compartmentalize. That's a good word for it. Yeah. I think that's interesting how you manage. Cause I, I she said like putting your, your stress in different like compartments cause mm. or containers. And I think that's, that's more my strategy is I just throw it into, you know, a container and just let it sit there. <laughs> Unfortunately, at least managing it, it sort of takes care of it. It, it kind of gets rid of it, but yeah, no, sometimes, yeah. but you know, keeping it separate helps. And yeah. then like my instinct tells me that we can compartmentalize when we're at work to make sure that we are presenting ourselves in the most productive, professional way possible. But it eventually must be dealt with. Yeah. yeah. Whatever it is that's eating at you. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you deal with it? <laughs> yes, Alana, how do you deal I with don't it? Know. You go to the gym? Yes, I do. I you uh, you keep your cup full? I try and keep my cup full, do things that make me happy when I have the opportunity to do so. I think you have just some innate skills in this area, quite frankly, and so you're That's not exactly possible. sure how you I don't, handle it, I but don't it's know. just not yeah. a problem. I'm yeah. not the same person I was, you know, in my early 20s, late teens or whatever as like first emerging in the workforce. So like my stress management has definitely been a long path of like I'm going to guess though that you probably never got super like when finals came. Did you get really stressed out when finals came? Like in college? Mhm. Mm um, if you can't remember the answers now, <laughs> not super stressed, mm -hmm. depending on the class, but not really. Mm -hmm. um, just knowing that I either know the material or I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she has a bunch of college kids screaming at the, their, their yeah. phone no, right now. That's not to say that, like, I don't. I get test anxiety. That's oh, sure. a thing. Yeah, you know what I and, mean. And you get and you can be stressed and have emotional yeah, reactions like absolutely. anybody. Absolutely. I just think if there was like a, a scale, and a psychologist would probably be able to tell us if there was a scale of my ability to 
um, absorb and respond to stress and emotional situations is either very high or very low. I'm going to guess you're on the lower end of the spectrum and Kelsey is on the higher end of the spectrum. And you're probably somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I think I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I'd say too. middle to lower. I, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty laid back person, I'd yeah. say. That just yeah. tends to be me. <laughs> well, that's uh, an interesting uh, <laughs> those are all the life skills you need. <laughs> those are you all the life skills. Those are all the life skills we all need, according it's that to the easy. world. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, right. <laughs> Work in progress, as we all are. All right, that'll do it. I hear the music. It's time to go. Thanks, everybody. No problem. See you next time. See ya. Mwah.